Live from WNUR News, I'm Brandon Congritz. You're listening to the 6 o'clock news on WNUR 89.3 FM HD1, Evanston, Chicago. It's Friday, May 5th, 2023. Tonight on WNUR News, NU's Blomquist Recreation Center will close on May 15th, the 2023 Northwestern Freshman Musical, an analysis of some stinky trees in bloom this spring, and this week's edition of Fairweather Friends. Those stories coming up tonight on WNUR News at 6. Thanks for tuning in. Blomquist Recreation Center has been a favorite exercise spot for students all across South Campus for nearly 50 years. However, in just 11 days, it will close for the remainder of the school year. Brendan Preisman has more. Blomquist Recreation Center is a 2,500 square foot strength training area. It's used for strength training, cardio, basketball, and everything in between. However, it won't be used for much longer. According to an email from Northwestern Recreation, Blom, as it's called by many students, will close for the academic year on May 15th. This means that students will go almost a month with the Henry Crown Sports Pavilion as the only on-campus workout spot. The news was hard to take for South Campus residents, like first-year Bernard Chen. His choice between Blom or SPAC, the nickname for the sports pavilion, hasn't been a difficult one. Um, yeah, I'd say just because it's super close, I go here way more than the SPAC. He said proximity is a big reason why he goes to Blomquist so often. Going to Blom, first of all, just because it's closer. And second of all, it's a lot more empty. Aaron Mantrek, a third year who works at Blomquist, agreed that proximity played a role. Like, I lived in Plex last year, and I always wanted to walk because it was so much more convenient. Chen also lives in Plex, or Foster Walker dorm, which is only a parking lot away. This means that it's extremely easy to get to Blomquist, which he does often. Uh, almost every day, yeah. Mm -hmm. I do weights every other day, and I play basketball every day. However, despite the proximity, Blomquist users, including Chen, are not blind to its flaws. I think just like the facilities at SPAC are just better. Um, and like the basketball courts low-key are kind of better too. According to Mantrek, that may change after the renovations. Um, we're taking down this thing right here, which is like the old locker room for the basketball. Um, so that's going to be cleared out and there's going to be more equipment there. The goal seems to be preventing overcrowding, which can happen during the facility's busy hours. Yeah, just in general, I think the idea is just like more space for people yeah. actually working out. So. That space, Mantrek says, will be used to add more equipment and strength training machines. The renovations will also freshen up a building that has stood since 1974. Considering Henry Crown Sports Pavilion was refurbished in 2014, it seemed like time for Blomquist to receive some upgrades as well. Whether or not those upgrades will increase traffic, though, remains to be seen. Maybe if it looks nicer next year, um, people will be more drawn to it. One of the planned upgrades is the floor, which has begun to show its age. But the renovations, especially only on the surface, may not draw that many new people. Chen wasn't convinced the new updates would change his workout routine all that much. Um, if they have, like, any cool new machines, maybe, but I'm probably just going to stick to what I'm doing now. Overall, it's clear that Blomquist will be missed by its patrons. The renovations are welcome, but the inconvenience will definitely affect the manner in which people work out. As Chen says, the distance between South Campus and SPAC 
changes his desire to work out and how often he does it. I think it is going to affect how often. Probably not going to go to the gym that many times. Um, as often I, as I go here. Um, yeah, probably going to go maybe like three times a week. Yeah. Whether or not the renovations draw more people, the current users will be excited to have Blomquist return in any capacity when it reopens in time for fall quarter. That includes this very reporter. I go to Blomquist normally twice a week, whether for basketball courts or strength training, and I've always really appreciated the space and the usefulness of all the machines and the basketball courts. The month without it will be difficult, but next fall quarter, it'll be right back to the grind. For WNUR News, I'm Brendan Kreisman. Moving on to arts and entertainment. Each spring, first-year students put together one of the most exciting theater productions on Northwestern's campus. This year, Freshman Musical is bringing Little Shop of Horrors to Northwestern. Jesse Chen has the story. He's a nerdy florist and a hopeless romantic. She's stuck in an unhappy relationship with a mad dentist. Add in a bloodthirsty alien plant. And that's this year's Freshman Musical. The Freshman Musical is an annual production put on by all freshmen at Northwestern University. That's Phoebe Richa, a first-year theater major and director of this year's Freshman Musical, Little Shop of Horrors. Kind of this crazy Northwestern tradition of Basically, a couple of, of upperclassmen like pick the producers from the first year class to put on a full musical, and then they kind of just have to run with it. That's Emerson Steady, a first year theater major and music director. It's both theater majors, RTBF majors, voice majors, and any other kind of major, very open, um, very inclusive. Um, and the purpose of this musical is really to like bond the freshman class, to work with people, um, to have a really good time. Although Phoebe and Emerson are no strangers to their respective production roles, for many, freshman musical is a chance to try something new. Such was the case for first-year RTVF major Ashley Cho, who is co-producing the show. Like, I guess speaking from personal experience, I didn't do any theater in high school or like before. So um, definitely like coming to Northwestern, I saw that theater was a really big thing, but I didn't really know how to get involved because um, I didn't have any connections or like know much about like how it worked. And first year communication studies major Jay Joan, who was the other co-producer. So when I first came to Northwestern, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do in terms of theater, because I've been theater kid from like since my high school year, but I wasn't sure how to continue because like I was more of directing side, but did I want to do it with theater majors? So like looking into like business aspects of theater, and then I saw like Twist Advertisement of, hey, Freshman Musical is looking for a producer. And I was like, hmm, I never produced before. Maybe it sounds fun. So I just signed up. Taking part in Freshman Musical can also be a stepping stone for many students hoping to pursue more theater opportunities at Northwestern. The like kind of Northwestern theater, theater ecosystem is oftentimes just built around you having experience. Like there's a lot of opportunities out there, but they just require experience. And Freshman Musical is the perfect place for people to like break in to having that experience, especially for like directing and music directing. Often those are sophomores, often those are just like seniors.
the process of putting on a large show like Freshman Musical also presents a set of unique and personal challenges in terms of timeline and venue. This is always going to be a thing with Freshman Musical, but the turnaround is just so much faster than any other show because we don't pick the show until like the start of winter quarter. Emerson says that most shows generally pick their productions in the spring quarter of the previous year and have all summer to plan. Definitely Harris Hall being Harris Hall. Phoebe also refers to the difficulties of putting on a show in a lecture space. Um, the stage is very wide, um, but extremely uh, shallow. So it's really hard to fit everybody on stage, especially because the freshman musical is supposed to have a large ensemble to include as many people as possible. And we can't have any professional lights. Um, which is really difficult. Um, so it's definitely been a challenge trying to work around that and seeing how we can have the set come across, have the location come across, um, have the time of day come across in like the most minimal way possible. Ashley and Jay also speak to the challenges that being new to producing presents. Basically, I think a lot of the challenge just came with learning what goes into the process of creating a show from the ground up. I wasn't even sure what producing entails, so it was more of like trials and errors and learn as I do things. So it was really confusing at first, but I really had good mentor, Rachel and Steven, who are a producer of last year. And I also have Ashley, my co-producer, so yeah. So far, two weeks out from show day, rehearsals seem to be sailing smoothly. There has been so much fantastic collaboration. Um, everybody involved in this process is so creative and so, um, they really take initiative. Everybody is just so talented. Like, everybody's at different skill levels, but Every single actor shows up to rehearsal ready to work, ready to be creative and put themselves out there. Um, I mean, it's actually like really surprising, honestly, how, how quickly everyone figures everything out, I think. I mean, the, the common thread is just that everyone involved is really, really excited about theater, which includes a lot of non-theater majors. This year, Freshman Musical is bringing the 1982 Howard Ashman production, Little Shop of Horrors, to Northwestern. I love Little Shop of Horrors. It is in my top five favorite musicals. It's this like really eclectic mix of music written by Alan Menken, who like later went on to write all of these like Disney films that I think for a lot of us were our childhood. But this was before that. He was writing this like crazy horror musical. Um, and it's got like a ton of like 60s music in it. Um, it's got a lot of like doo-wop. Um, just like rock and roll, this like R&B. And we also thought the vibes of the show was like very freshman musical in a way because it's pretty silly. Like it's kind of like a dark comedy in a way, like there's elements of um, comedy, but it's also a little like horror. Little Shop is so campy and funny. Yet despite all the elements of camp that make the show so great, a Little Shop of Horrors is also grounded in its compelling characters. The freshman musical historically has always been like try to do like a camp show. It's a fun one because there are like going to be so many moments of camp, but we also like have really been working on like finding the, the like heart of the main characters, Audrey and Seymour, because they often are played very cartoonish. Um, and both like in the acting and in the music, we wanna make sure that like they are able to shine through the camp sort of, to just ground it a little bit and like really drive home this message. A message that Phoebe says might resonate with many Northwestern students. A lot of the show revolves around like greed and like getting what you deserve. And you know, as people positioned to have like fantastic careers of immense success, you know, what are the consequences of success? Um, 
what is it that you're entitled to? How far are you willing to go to get what you believe you deserve? And I think that's a question that we, as freshmen and as students at Northwestern, need to ask ourselves. From the passionate and creative first years behind this goofy, heartfelt production, Freshman Musical extends a warm invitation to you. Freshman Musical, um, May 12th and 13th. At Harris Hall 107. Friday shows at 10 p.m. and Saturday shows are at 2 p.m. and 10 p.m. 10 o'clocks are gonna be crazy. We've got two for you, so bring your friends. Follow and your freshman musical Instagram account and you'll see fun content and like tickets information. For WNUR News, I'm Jesse Chen. The Pyrus Calariana, or calorie pear tree, is beautiful and is currently in bloom. But it has a couple of faults, one of the major ones being the tree's semen-like smell. Cara Totley has the story. Springtime is upon us, and it's time to step out and smell the freshly bloomed flowers. <laughs> or maybe not. Have you been wondering why it smells so bad lately? Well, it's because of this certain tree. That tree is the Pyrus caleriana, or the caleria pear. The caleria pear can grow up to 40 feet tall and has white five-petaled flowers that are held together in a ball-shaped bundle. Despite its smell, the tree is known for its beauty. How could such a pretty tree have a smell reminiscent of a guy's hidden sock? My name's Allison Brands. I'm in the Plant Biology and Conservation Program at Northwestern and Chicago Botanic Garden. That stinky smell comes from their flowers in the spring, and since the ornamental pear isn't native to Illinois, that stinky smell function is kind of unknown a little bit. The key word here is a little bit. When flowers smell a certain way, it's meant to attract a certain pollinator. But since it's not from here, it doesn't have that pollinator that it evolved alongside where it originally came from in Asia. The Caleria pear is an ornamental pear tree native to Asia. It was initially introduced in North America during the early 1900s. But why bring it over here? It was brought here for its ornamental value. People really like the compact like egg shape of the canopy and the full canopy of flowers that we're seeing right now in the spring. Originally, the tree was brought over here for agricultural use, but quickly became a favorite in the landscaping industry due to its adaptability, flowering, fall color, and rounded crown. While the tree was brought here for its aesthetic appeal, the unpleasant odor is not the tree's sole disadvantage. When it was introduced here, it was meant to be totally harmless in that regard. It can't pollinate itself, but it cross-pollinates with other pears. So it can get pollen from other pear trees, and then it can form viable seeds in the little fruits that it produces. Then nature does the rest. And the birds eat them, and then fly around and poop those seeds out <laughs> all over the place. Why is this so bad though? Besides the whole smell part, of course. It's because the birds are spreading their seeds too much to the point these stinky trees are propagating like crazy in an aggressive way. My name is Patricia Hayes. Everyone calls me Pat. I'm a volunteer site steward for Orland Grassland Land and Water Reserve. The Orland Grassland Land and Water Reserve is approximately a thousand acres of rolling upland, soils, wetland, shrubland, oak savanna, and woodland, with about 970 acres of open, continuous prairie surrounding suburbia and farms in southwest Cook County. 
but it is also where a huge outbreak of calorie pear trees can be found. The calorie pear likes to land in open spaces. So what will happen is the birds that are common to both landscape areas and open areas, such as our thousand acre prairie, they bring this calorie pear in a ton. Boom, an infestation of calorie pears. The problem with calorie pear is it becomes very, very, very dense, very, very, very quickly, and it obliterates um, this, the, the ecosystem that is there. Including, but not limited to, the grassland bird. The grassland bird are birds that nest in open areas dominated by grass instead of trees. Many grassland bird species are either endangered or threatened species. The calorie pear is not helpful either. The trees are causing their nesting area to become so dense these birds have no place to settle down. So how do we get rid of it? The best strategy that I know is to go through and either foil your spray, the small one, it's maybe 10 foot high, eight foot high, then you wanna cut it and you wanna dab it with herbicide or basil bark it or something like that. You let them die out and then the following year, you run a prescribed burn over the top so that it will take care of anything that is dead and burn it up. And then if there are tiny little saplings, the fire may discourage them from propagating. Simple, right? Wrong. There's always a catch. Even if we took out every tree, as long as the surrounding area is so full of calorie pear, it's just going to come back. Despite the problems associated with this invasive tree, it's still a hit in the horticulture industry. Wait, what is horticulture? Horticulture is the production of plants for human use, but with an emphasis on just enjoying their beauty. Some of the habits in the horticulture industry don't really align with the ecological point of view that we should be considering which is why people like Pat are working so hard to change that, which starts in two ways. One is through law. We need for the state of Illinois to designate this as a noxious plant. If you get it designated as a noxious weed, then you can't buy it and you can't sell it and you can't have it. The other is through education. Education is very, very necessary because you need the public support Getting public support is huge because it's the public that will be losing their precious tree. The community needs to understand the need for them to have their calorie pear trees swapped out because these trees are doing too much damage too fast to be worth their aesthetic appeal. I've been doing this for 20 years, but I've never seen anything come and take over so completely as this tree has done. For WNUR News, I'm Cara Totley. Thanks for staying with us on WNUR News. It's 6.22 p.m. Central Time. In this week's forecast, we're expected to see some higher temperatures rolling in with the chance of some storms. Emily Stoll has this week's edition of Fair Weather Friends. To WNUR's weekly weather forecast. I don't know about you, but I have been living for the sun lately. Let's take a look at next week's forecast to see what's in store. From Evanston, Illinois, I'm Emily Stoll, and this is Fairweather Friends. Here's the weather. 
In Evanston, you can look forward to a high of 69 degrees today with a low of just 53 degrees in the early evening. We can expect sunny skies with only partly clouds later on in the day. So far, the humidity levels are looking good at about 40%, with light winds coming off of the lake at about 13 miles per hour. Next week, Mother Earth will continue to grace us with warmer temperatures ranging from about 50 degrees to 72 degrees. However, in the early to midweek, we can expect some rain and or thunderstorms rolling in from the north. Humidity levels are also expected to rise, reaching up to 77%. Yikes. Partly cloudy conditions are expected to last throughout the week, but the sky seems to open up again around Wednesday of next week. This forecast remains pretty consistent throughout the Midwest, except further west might see some higher winds and rain over the next few days. That's all for this week's segment of Fairweather Friends. Stay dry in those upcoming storms. In the meantime, soak up that sun while you can. For WNUR News, I'm Emily Stahl. Taking a look into the headlines, the World Health Organization announced this morning that COVID-19 is no longer a global health emergency. The WHO Director General said he made the decision following a recommendation from the WHO's Emergency Committee, which met on Thursday for the 15th time. The WHO first declared COVID-19 as a global health emergency on January 30th, 2020, when the disease had yet to be named and hadn't had any major outbreaks outside of China. The U.S. Supreme Court blocked the execution of death row inmate and Oklahoma man Richard Glossop this afternoon. Glossop, who was involved in a 1997 murder for hire, was scheduled to be put to death on May 18th. But the Oklahoma Attorney General recently stated that he might not have received a fair trial. The execution is on hold while the court reviews the case. A Houston chemical plant caught fire this afternoon, sending a black cloud of smoke into the sky. Officials report the fire started at a Shell USA facility shortly after 3 p.m. At the time of the last update, fire crews were responding and traffic was being diverted around the area. In campus news, Northwestern's Associated Student Government froze funds indefinitely for the Northwestern College Republicans Wednesday night. This follows an event they hosted on Tuesday night, the, co the College Republicans that is, co-sponsored by the Northwestern Young Americans for Freedom, in which conspiracy theorist and anti-LGBTQ plus activist James Lindsay spoke on campus. ASG co-president Molly Whalen said the funding suspension comes from the flyers the group posted promoting the event ahead of time. One flyer featured sunglasses with the LGBTQ plus pride flag and a skull and crossbones laid on top, which ASG determined to be in violation of Northwestern's policy on discrimination and harassment. Whalen told the Daily Northwestern that political ideology of the speaker or the political ideologies of the Northwestern College Republicans and Young Americans for Freedom did not play a role in the vote, which passed with a large majority by associated student government. Three Northwestern faculty have been elected to the National Academy of Sciences. Anthropology Professor Emeritus Timothy Earle, Chemistry Department Chair Professor Terry Odom, and Chemistry Professor Richard Silverman will join 120 new members to the NAS this year. According to its website, the NAS's uh, mission is to provide independent, objective advice to the nation on matters related to science and technology through outstanding research. Four members of the Proud Boys, the far-right group involved in the January 5th, 2021 attack on the Capitol, were found guilty of seditious conspiracy by a D.C. jury yesterday. Other charges include separate conspiracy charges, obstructing the Electoral College vote, tampering with evidence, obstruction of law enforcement during civil disorder, and destruction of government property. Each of the defendants were convicted of at least one charge that would carry a 20-year maximum prison sentence. A, sen a sentencing date has not yet been set.
New figures show that America's hiring market has remained resilient in the face of rising interest rates, high inflation, and recent banking crises. 253,000 jobs were added in April, and the unemployment rate dipped to 3.4%, matching a 54-year low. Five community and Northwestern-affiliated organizations recently formed a coalition named the Northwestern Accountability Alliance. Their goal? To negotiate a community benefits agreement before seeking Evanston's approval to rebuild Ryan Field. The coalition released a statement saying its goals were including achieving creating meaningful jobs and business opportunities for black and brown communities and maintaining zoning protections. Those goals were released on Wednesday. And for our final headline this evening, Old Bridge, New Jersey officials found a 500 pile of dry pasta in the woods last week. The pile was apparently raw when it was dumped, but appeared cooked due to rainfall. Photos of the mystery circulated on social media, and while authorities are still unsure of who dumped it, officials quickly cleaned it up. The city's mayor made a statement today saying he wished it ended up in one of the city's food banks instead of in the middle of the woods. That's all for WNUR News at 6 p.m. For more news updates and reports, follow us on Twitter at WNUR News. That's at WNUR News. You can listen to these and other news stories on our website, WNUR.news. Again, that's WNUR.news. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Our producer today is Jesse Chen, and our reporters are Brendan Preisman, Jesse Chen, and Cara Totley. From all of us here at WNUR News, thanks for listening. I'm Brandon Kondritz. Catch our next newscast on Monday, May 8th at 6 p.m. Now, back to scheduled programming. Have a great weekend.